Thanks for tuning in and welcome to Same As It Ever Was, where we literally don't know what we're going to talk about. What are you doing? What's going on now, bro? <laughs> you know, I got a little song in my head, and, and uh, our good friend Joe Miller uh, had sent me. You have those uh, things on Facebook that it's like from your memories from however many years ago, whatever. Oh yeah, you know, this yeah. year, you know, seven years ago on this date, whatever. And uh, Joe Miller sends me this this uh, thing. It's like a screenshot. He tagged me in it or whatever. And it was me sending this message, and it was just, who are the brain police? (laughs) Have you ever heard this song? No. Dude, it's from the Mothers of Invention. It's Frank Zappa. Yeah, yeah. Off the album Freak Out, which I'm I'm weird. I've probably said this on the show before. People who know me know I'm weird, but... uh, And for the folks who are out there listening to the show, thanks for tuning in. Episode 60. Episode 60, we're... uh, we're 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 going to start making a push here. We're going to start making. We got to get an, establish a new goal. Yeah. Well. Okay. So, finish the story. We'll talk about. Okay. Seven, yeah. Here we go. Okay. Cool. Uh. So anyway, uh, I'm kind of weird when it comes to to Frank Zappa. I like some of his uh, some of his stuff. Uh, like over uh overnight sensation, apostrophe overnight sensation. Yep. Uh, that's got a lot of songs that folks know, uh, you know, it's got dynamo hum and all that stuff. Uh, but I'm really, really a fan of early, like mothers of invention, uh, the freak out album. My favorite album is, is absolutely free. I don't know if you've ever listened to this album before. And a friend of mine, uh, uh, Andrew Wiggy, big wigs. He's a huge Zappa fan. I mean, he's got like seven gigs of, of nothing but Frank Zappa stuff. And uh, it was funny because uh, first, when I first met Andrew, he came to work at, at uh, the, the band at, at Third Marine Aircraft Wing out in San Diego. And I'm sitting in the office and I'm working on the computer and he's sitting you know, across from me. And there's sort of this filing cabinet between us. And I'm typing away. And all of a sudden I was like, if she were my daughter, I'd, um, uh, what would you do, daddy? And he looks around the corner of the filing cabinet. He's like, do you like Frank Zappa? <laughs> it's like, yeah, man. <laughs> did you know? we just become <laughs> best did, friends? Did we just become best yep. friends? That's totally what that was, dude. <laughs> it's totally what it was. And he was just, when I started talking to him about this stuff that I really like, he's like, that's just so crazy, man. But you're like, you're one of the only people I've ever met that, likes Frank Zappa material, but is really old, old stuff. Uh, when I left San Diego, uh, Andrew has this massive le- record collection. I mean, it's ridiculous. And he actually gave me a copy of Absolutely Free on vinyl. It was still in like the box that they ship it in and everything. I can't remember where he got this, but I guess he had two copies and this is the one that was still in the box and he gave it to me as a going away gift. Dude, I was floored. I was like, that's totally awesome. It's such a great album. And, and we, I, I discovered these old uh, old Mothers of Invention albums 
because the guy that plays bass in my band, Robin, his stepdad was had some really freaky, uh, like hippie albums from back in like the late 60s, early 70s. I mean, stuff that you just nobody knows now. I mean, it's sort of where are they now, where are they now file. Uh, but in amongst all of this stuff were these Mothers of Invention albums. And so we started listening to them and we're like back in high school, you know. And, oh, my God. So that line, uh, Who Are the Brain Police, is, is a song that's off the Freak Out album. And it's like, you know, the, the, well, the, cor- the chorus of the tune is, Who are the brain police? <laughs> it's just well, totally and, awesome. And really, like, on Zappa stuff, I really got into it because of the music. But I, I don't. I don't like, I don't prefer the lyrics. Like I'm, I'm a lyrics person for the most part. And so the music stuff, like, yeah, like intriguing. Right. But you know, um, and and like on that album, the only song I think I, I know it was like, there's, I, there might, there's this, it's the one that has like different, um, uh, pieces uh different movements oh god damn it what's the name of the song off are you talking about off of overnight freak out no freak out freak out oh uh well there's monster uh, magnet or something like that oh i'm not sure magnet monster uh, it might be that um god now i'm gonna have to look it up good i don't know and you, uh, you know who who uh who got me into zappa was was josh we had him my fraternity brother um, he got me into li- him and Dead Ed, Dead Ed, Eric Headholm. Um, but yeah, dude, he would yeah. Between that and Grateful Dead, we listened to. Them uh, oh, all dude, the time. yeah. Well, oh, the you re- walk into- yeah. It's uh, I think it was I think it was the return Monster the Magnet. return of the son of Monster Magnet. Yes, yes. and yeah, yeah. yeah. No, you want to get in a Zappa conversation? You oh, talk to Josh. Oh, and see, and that's the thing is that I. You know, again, my buddy Andrew was so steeped in Zappa. I mean, he knew all the guys that had ever played in his band, uh, all the way back to the Mothers of Invention. And I mean, and obviously, there's a million stories about Frank. Um, when you're like that, dude, you're you bought into Zappa, like you, oh, dude, and, and any band, you know, like I, I have another college fraternity brother who like Wilco the the band Wilco right like I'm I'm he's followed them yep on tour you know sure I'm like wow yeah no <laughs> absolutely I mean to this is the song is on right now I put the I put this album on and, and and who are the brain police just came on uh but yeah no I mean and they're and and that's when you are absolutely you're a devotee to a to a particular artist I mean to me the thing about Frank Zappa, there's a, a multitude of things that I love about it. Uh, number one, especially when you're talking about this early material, like back with the Muslim invention, everybody's like, oh, man, you know, Frank's like such a hippie, man. Like, oh, man, these guys like they, you know, he he must, you know, he, he must do like all these drugs and all this shit. Dude, he didn't do any of that. Like he was like, didn't do drugs, was totally straight edge. And in fact, one of the things that I think is hilarious is that at the same time, 
that he's making fun of because in a lot of this material, this or this this uh, it's it's sort of a common thread through most of the stuff he ever did, uh, but especially in this earlier stuff, he's really making fun of Middle America. You know, he's making fun of like the huffy, stuffy, self you know self possessed sort of middle American quote unquote well, American dream. Think think about, you know the time frame in which he was a teenager. Oh yeah. No, absolutely. You know what I mean? And yeah. like that that was like uh you know like Mad Men. Oh sure. No you know absolutely I mean? and, like, and that's the thing is, you know, uh there's a song off of Absolutely Free called uh Brown Shoes Don't Make It. And, you know, it's like, brown shoes, don't make it. Quit school. Why try to fake it? You know, it's, it's it, this whole thing, you know, uh, you know, my sing, sings this line about uh, uh, sitting by the pool, TV dinners by the pool. Watch your brother grow a beard. Not another year of school. We don't quit or we don't care, but he's too weird. Be a bummer. It's a bummer. It's a bummer. Every summer, be a loyal. What is it? Be a loyal robot for a world that doesn't care. <laughs> it's just you know what, though? Here, awesome. here's, here's the difference. Here's the difference, right? Um, in that time, uh, People were way more, uh, and I, you know, this is just my opinion, man. Uh, <laughs> uh, if you can get that quote, anybody listening? Yeah, yeah, know. we're gonna put that on a T-shirt. <laughs> but this uh, is my opinion, man. <laughs> but but uh, I I I believe uh, people were way more cultured, oh, listening yeah. classical music, reading yes. books. Um, you know, and, and that is apparent in the what I would call the American musical renaissance, the 50s, 60s and, and early 70s, because the disco happened in the latter half of the 70s. So. Right. Yeah. Um, but in that era, like, you know, and you, it's very apparent uh, in Zappa's lyricism, his his compositions. Yeah. And, Composition people, that that's what Zappa was. He, he was he a was composer. A composer. Absolutely. That, you know yeah, I mean? no, like, no, and that was that was what I was gonna say is as far as like that's one of the other things that I really appreciate about Frank is that he was a, a composer in the classical sense. I mean, when he wrote a song, he literally wrote it. I mean, he's writing out all of the parts for what he wants to have happen. And the guys in his band are expected to be able to read these parts and perform what he's saying. This is a part play. I mean, that's in the in the in the rock and roll. And, and I know that, you know, Frank would turn over in his grave if he actually like probably heard me refer to him as part of that. But it's true. I mean, because I don't think Frank ever really Frank never really saw himself as like a rock and roller or something of that nature, like. He was, He's always been like experimental yes. prog prog 
frog rot? Was there such a thing back then? Well, he, rot? There, there, like, and I think that, but I think that what he was part of is what we maybe? would today. Know. He was part of what we would identify today as alternative rock. You know, he he was part of a movement, like you say. You had this cultured music. And then you had this rock and roll thing that had started out with Elvis and the Beatles and had got, you know, you know, freaking Paul Revere and the Raiders and all that crap. And underneath that, you had this type of thing going on where nothing was off the table. I mean, from 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 an instrumental standpoint, I mean, you listen to any of these old albums Dude, listen to any of these old old albums and listen to how prominent in the instrumentation the kazoo is. He's got kazoo on like everything. What is that? I mean, when you're that when you're that that's, that's the sound he was soundscaping. Yes, I mean that's that's when you're that middle American kid, you get the kazoo and the harmonica. Well, the point is that when you're that middle American kid and you hear that, it's like, what is this? And I'm sure that back in the day, there were a lot of people who heard this. I, even to this day, I know there's a lot of people who hear. I, 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 if I tried playing this stuff around Jennifer, she can't hang, dude. She, uh, she yeah. cannot hang. She's like, oh, God, I can't listen to this. Because it's almost like Mr. Bungle. She can't listen to that stuff. Because to her, like this almost becomes almost like musical train of thought. And like you say, it's soundscaping, and she's not into stuff like that. This is very, I mean, this really is something that I think a lot of people who are are not artists themselves sometimes have a very hard time sort of getting their head around. Uh, and again, like I say, he's writing these songs, uh, you know, he's writing the, the song that was just playing off the album here, uh, Go Cry on Somebody Else's Shoulder. I mean, it, it's all doo-wop, you know. Don't cry to other guys. Go and cry yeah. on somebody else's shoulder. You know, it's like, but it's, he's, but in this, he's poking fun at it. He's poking fun at that cheesy doo ish pop, you know, of, of the, of the, the late fifties, early sixties, uh, which again, like I say, it's genius because I think that one of the things he took his music very, very seriously, but I think that ultimately what Frank's big message to people from a lyrical standpoint was stop taking yourself so seriously. Yeah, I get it, but you know, you know, uh... it, 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 in a sense, it's almost comedic. It's almost comedic in the way that it is just poking fun. And, it, and there's nobody there's nobody that's off limits. I mean, he's making fun of the hippies and he's making, cause you know, he'll have these songs, you know, he'll have these songs where everybody's like, you know, uh, you know, these songs where he's like, you know, making fun of the hippies and he's like, yeah, man, you know, like whatever. And then the next song he's making fun of, you know, these straight edge, you know, these straight edge type of people, um, off of uh, the the song brown shoes don't make it freaking you know he's he's going on about like he's going on in the lyrics about you know the the creepy the creepy corporate business guy uh you know the corporate the creepy corporate business guy the old man who's got a thing for teenage girls you know and you know he's got it he's got on the you know he's got his wife who's 
you know, his wife's attending an orchid show. She begged for a week or she, she whined for a week to get him to go. But back in the bedroom, his teenage queen is rocking and rolling and acting obscene. Baby, baby. (laughs) It's just awesome. Because the thing is, is that it's like, dude, how many of these type of creepy freaking guys have you ever seen like get shown out in the news? They're out there, man. Like these creepy old dudes who like play this whole straight edge life. But then you find out that they're like, Yes, that they're freaks. <laughs> and I would have got away with it too if it wasn't for those right. kids. Right. Yes, if it weren't for those damn kids. No, it's it's totally awesome. Totally awesome. But thanks, you know, thanks to Joe out there, man. You I saw that post on Facebook and all of a sudden all I'm thinking all day is Who are the brain police? <laughs> Such great stuff, man. Such great stuff. So yeah, we got a I got a I got a a, a big afternoon or a big uh, weekend on tap for at least Saturday. Oh, uh staying in the area or going back up to the mountaintop? Oh no, no, no. We're right here in the house, right here in the house. We're having our first uh, we're we're having our first official baby shower. Oh man. That is happening on Saturday. So, uh, grandpa, grandpa, grandpa Wallace, are you going to have like a nickname? I think everybody else is, I wanted my nickname to be boss. I wanted the grandkids (laughs) to call me boss. So your kids didn't want to call you that. Oh no, the kids, right. Exactly. The kids, my kids were like, whatever, we do what we want. I figured the grandkids would show me some respect and call me boss. Like, hey, boss. See them come walking in the room. They want something from boss like, Wallace. Right. Be like, hey, boss. Is, is this from your time in watching, uh, watching uh, Bo and Luke do? Right, right. Boss Hog or whatever. <laughs> no, somebody. It's funny because I actually picked that up from uh, this friend of Jennifer's, uh, Stephanie. Her, her husband, Andrew, uh, was, was about to become a grandfather. And he was he was saying this was years ago, and he was saying the same thing. He's like, "Yeah, I'm gonna have him call me boss." And I was like, "That's awesome, dude. That's totally awesome." But of course, I've brought this up, and all the people in this family are like, "We are not doing that. We are not having our grand the grand your grandchildren are not gonna call you boss." I'm like, "Whatever, man." So everybody's come up with like, I guess we finally, I think we finally, or I should say, they have finally come to the determination that I'm gonna be called. Papa, which is a pretty common sort of nickname for grandparents these days, because I feel like everybody I know who's a grandparent is getting called Papa. You know, my, is my, that, it sounds like you're saying P-U-P-P-A, like Papa. Papa. Oh, P-O-P-O-P-P-A. Yeah, yeah, like P-A-P-A, Papa. You know what I oh. mean? Well, well, you just, yeah. You know, like, it's a pronunciation, well, Papa, whatever. Well, like, people like, you know, Pop Pop or Nana, Nina. Well, no, you no, know no, what, it's kind of, yeah, no, exactly. And I think Jennifer, <laughs> I think Jennifer's decided that she's Mimi or something. Yeah, and, Mimi's another one. And the, th- yeah. and the thing is, is that her sister, her sister, her, you know, Christine's grandchildren call her Mimi and her husband, Scott, is Papa. So I'm like, what are we just going to be like the we're going to like all, I'm going to be Papa with Scott and you're going to be Mimi with your sister? Like, I don't know, man. That's going to be kind of weird. I don't just know. Say, you, you now have him just completely be completely formal, grandfather. Maybe I'll have him just call me Mister. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, Mister. 
Just call me. You. I don't know. Maybe, hey, you. I, maybe that's my my. I'm gonna have him call me grandfather. Grandfather. <laughs> grandfather. So, so grandfather. Right. Exactly. It'd be awesome. The problem is, is that when they're tiny, they can't pronounce any of that. You know what I mean? So it's like you want them to identify you as by some sort of nickname that they can actually pronounce. Um, so when they're very small and they can't speak properly, it's sort of like, you know, that's, that's where I know all these names come from. And of course, from but the, no, you, then you, you set them straight and you teach them. Well, right. Grandfather. You know, you, hey, that's grandfather. Mommy dearest. Right. Grandfather. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's, I don't know, man. It's weird. It's, I mean. Dude, well, just have them call you Gunny, man. Guns. Call me Guns. Guns. That would be awesome. Grandpa. Grandpa, Grand, Gun. Grandpa Guns. That would be pretty badass. I will not lie. That would be pretty freaking cool. Grandpa, Grandpa Guns. Grandpa Guns. No, it's, you know. Why do you call, why do you call uh, him Guns? Uh, he's a gunnery sergeant. What's uh, that? <laughs> that's the next, that, that's the next you're, question. Now you're not, What's you're, that? you're teaching history now. Right, exactly. Now, now it's, it's for real. I earned this title. You understand, child? Well, because what happens, you know, like, wow-y. there could be, like, what wow-y, about wow-y. on the other side? Like, what are they going to be? What are the other sets of grandparents going to be? Talking? I have no idea. They're, you know and, what I mean? See, and this is part what of, if there's a few? And this, is, and this is part of, this is no lie. This is why this is a big deal this weekend. Because You're, the other grandparents are coming up here from Virginia. Oh really? Yes. So oh, and this so will be this four? will be this will be the first time that my wife and I have met Parker's parents. Oh, okay. Yeah. This, okay. Um, because I mean, he looks like a good kid. Matt, they had just Madison and Parker had just started getting involved. Like this was pretty close to the time that we left Virginia Beach. Yeah, he looks tall. No, he's dude. He's six three. Is he? Okay. Yeah, he's. I mean, thin guy, but he's tall. I guess his dad's pretty tall too. Wiry. Yeah. His, uh, and and his father's his father's was in, uh, retired from the army. His father was like a I don't know an airborne ranger or something nice. like that. I don't know. Like you know, airborne ranger, special uh, forces infantry, guy. I guess Marine infantry, kind of the same thing. Oh, right. Yeah. Exactly. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, Marine Marine Corps band, kind of the same thing. You know. <laughs> 240, 220, whatever. Ra, ra. You know what that means, ra. You ever, you ever fire him? Uh, right, right. 249. He, he, he's like, just. Be, we call it the saw. You just be like, just be quiet and we'll just get along. <laughs> I, hey, man, I'll tell you what, on, on the virtual reality uh, game onward, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a beast with the M249. Oh, yeah. I'm an M249 like monster. You said, with the with the saw, oh yeah, oh yeah. I that's, mean, dude, when I could, when I was you could say when, it's easy, but there's skill involved. Well, when uh, to be honest with you, man, when I was uh, when I was stationed at Second Marine Division at Camp Lejeune, that was my that was my issued weapon. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, my issued okay. weapon was a saw. So uh, interesting weapon, interesting weapon. I mean, it fires the same caliber round as an M16. You know, it's a two, two, three. Um, yep. 
but it's a That's belt. The it's a jacket size, right? Because what you taught me. Right. Before. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, it's the, it's who's the, the There you go. Great job, man. God, yeah. Um, Tutorial was given. So yeah. now I can talk to. Yeah. You can you just talk to talk. But it's I a, can talk but to it's, talk. But, but let me a, tell you what. It's a belt fed weapon. That's oh, the beauty of yep. the, that's the beauty of the saw is that it's a belt fed. It's basically an M16 on steroids. So how physically, uh, because I only know it in the virtual world, uh-huh. but how heavy are those? Uh, it, it's not a magazine that those things are in, is it? Do you still call that a magazine? You, uh, yeah, it's a uh, I'm, like well, the, the little the box. Two, the 240 is that, or the 249 is pretty cool because you can use a regular 30 round like M16 magazine in it yeah. that you can just pop in the side, or you can attach this like hundred round. I don't. I think it's a hundred rounds. Uh, box. In the game, it's three hundred rounds. Yeah, I don't know if it's the three hundred's a lot. Maybe. Um, How he- that would be pretty fucking heavy though. No, it would be. I mean, when you're carrying that thing. You know, when you're carrying that thing with a full load like that, because that box fits underneath the weapon. Yep. It mm-hmm. slides in, and then you you pull the, the belt the out. The top. Oh, yeah, you pull the belt you out. Pop you pull up the top the, up. Right. You, you pop up the top. You throw the rounds in, and you snap it shut. That's the biggest thing, you know, on, on that a VR game like that is, like, you actually have to load the weapon. I had to take a tutorial on how to, like, load the weapons right yeah like something like call of duty you just press a button and auto loads you oh sure I mean? yeah, no, you don't do but it this anything. is you're actually loading and cocking back like it's pretty you cool, gotta but... you, you gotta like rack it and everything yeah yeah yeah, yeah. no i mean yep. like i say i mean it it has at least the one that i had had a fairly substantial strap that came with it uh which helps when you're carrying it especially if yep. you're out on patrol or something because I mean, you're carrying this thing and it's just hanging over your shoulder. So, um, in comparison, what would be your role in a squad, a fire team, carrying that thing? Uh, well, suppression fire. Yes, technically, that's tech from a technical standpoint. And and I would, I would, you'd you'd have to talk to 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 infantry guys, um, you know, grunts. Uh, they would probably differ with that in terms of practice or utilization, but if, from a technical standpoint, um, it's supposed to be used as a, a, a suppression weapon. So uh, basically you find, you know, say in a defensive position, the idea is, is that you take a weapon like that, that can fire a lot of rounds without having to be reloaded. And you find it, identify like fields of fire. Or yep. like avenues of approach where like, okay, yes. if we're in this position, I can see that, okay, that like down this alleyway or, you know, in this ravine, that's the, you know, when the enemy comes towards us, that's where they're going to be coming from. Because yeah. it's Okay, a- so, so I'm doing it right because when you're in a team situation, you know, we'll, we'll I'm like, hey guys, I'm just going to go get a position in the middle where it's the most wide open. Right. And then once I see movement, I'm just going to suppression fire. Meanwhile, the rest of my team are going like on the side are moving, are moving. And I'm just the distraction. No, absolutely. I mean, ideally that's the goal. The goal is, is that utilizing this weapon you're providing by, by keeping the, by keeping the enemy under fire, 
and you, I mean, hopefully you're hitting them, but even if you're not, they're just staying hunkered down because of your fire that it allows the rest of your team to move into a more advantageous position. Yep. Okay. I'm doing it right. Yeah. All right. And I'm, and I'm getting killed. So it's fine. Well, yeah. I mean, dude, it's, uh, you know, it's, <laughs> it's like they freaking always, they've said for years and years and it is the truth, man. Like the, the, the ethos of, uh, modern combat, modern ground combat is the ability to shoot, move and communicate. Can you shoot, move and communicate? Because it's constant. Movement. Okay. I mean, ideally, ideally you're not ever finding yourself in a position where you're just static because things that stay still on the battlefield die. Um, things that are moving are much harder to destroy. So in that, you know, and I'm, I, you know, I'll, I'll preface all, anything I'm saying here by obviously some folks out there who know about this from personal experience. I'm not, I've never been in combat before. I'm talking from a purely theoretical standpoint and, you know, from folks that I know, friends and family who've, who have been involved in, in combined arms, uh, you know, that that is the, the idea is, is that we're constantly moving. We're constantly moving. We're constantly putting rounds on targets. We're identifying targets and bringing multiple weapon systems to bear on, on multiple targets. So, you know, you're able to utilize... In that scenario I just sort of laid out where you've got, um, you know, where you've got avenues of approach and, and things like that, what you also have is dead space. What, they, what you identify as dead space, which is essentially like there's a, um, say it's a building or an obstacle of some kind or it's a, a hill. You can't see what's beyond it. You can't see what's on the other side. So that's when you have to utilize indirect fire weapons like mortars and things like that to be able to okay. get behind that. You can't see it. You can't shoot directly at it with your, you know, with your 249 because that's a direct fire weapon. What you're going to do is call in while you're keeping the, while you're keeping these, these guys down and these avenues of approach, you're calling in indirect fire, um, Oh, hey, we have a we have a text message Whoa, of destiny. Text message of destiny. It is it is a soon to be family member. His name is Jonathan. Jonathan, welcome to Stay. the show. Whoa. Do we? Oh, do we? Do we have Jonathan? That's kind of, well. He sort of joined the show. Yeah, sort of. Let's. <laughs> Yeah, this yeah. is the. If you're new to the show, folks, this is oh, what happens. Well, you know, you know, especially when we're, we're catching people who are in transit. That seems to be one of our our greater challenges. Jonathan, yeah, yes. Or, I'm here. I'm here. Oh, there I'm here. Here. I got di- technical difficulties there, but I'm good. Oh man! All right, so you've answered the text message text of message destiny, destiny, and since yes. I sent it. Uh, Jimbo gets to ask you any question. Okay, you have to that answer. works. <laughs> he answers. He responds so flippantly. He's like, "Okay, it's, yeah, it's sure." Calm. I, I think that you should know me by now. I don't really have too much of a sensor, so. <laughs> yeah. That's, okay. That's true. cool. Um. <laughs> uh, oh man, a good question. 
So he's about to get married uh, in January to my niece. Okay. Yes. All I'm right. joining the family. I was told blood in, blood out. Oh, shit. <laughs> shit. Damn. He just threw That's that out there. Family. He just threw that out there. Uh, man, that just opened up the, that just opened up a whole wider, <laughs> the whole wider spectrum of things I could be asking about. Holy mackerel. So let us, tell us, Jonathan, tell us a little bit about yourself. What do you do for a living? Um, I am a vice president of business development for a, an automobile warranty company. And no, we're not that warranty company that calls you all the time saying, you must have uh, you had an automobile warranty or upgrade or nothing like that. I was I was just gonna ask you that, Jonathan. I was gonna be like, oh, so you're that motherfucker uh, who's calling my freaking <laughs> phone all the time, telling me my warranty's no, no. about to run ours out. Ours are ours are sold when the uh, vehicle is sold. We don't do any outbound calls. We're not the annoying uh, telemarketers that don't pay your claims and all that stuff. That's not us. Okay, so do the automobile companies purchase warranties? Yeah, to sell to people. So actually, okay. I, I can I can kind of uh, lift that iron curtain and, and discuss how it goes down if we really want to. Absolutely, that. behind take us take us behind the curtain. Take us behind the curtain. Yeah, I so, want to know. I want to know. I want to see yeah, the because, great uh, Oz. I want to see the great Oz. Jimbo, how long have you how long have you had uh, your Jeep? Uh, two years. Two years. Yeah, and I've had my yeah, truck so, for a year. You guys either are just now getting out of your uh, warranty that they've given you if you didn't purchase an extended warranty. Um, if you did purchase an extended warranty, a very good chance it was one of mine. But um, what we do is we have what I work for the actual company. I'm an employee and uh, we develop products that then we have independent agents that travel from dealer to dealer to dealer that help with their um, F&I process and uh, stuff of that interest. But the, the funny thing that a lot of people don't know when it comes to car dealerships, both new and used, is they barely make any profit when it comes to actual, the, the actual sale of a vehicle. They make majority of their profit um, off of their aftermarket products, which would be warranties, gap insurance um those things and those those are sometimes marked up considerably so you might sit down and they're offering you a warranty to 2500 and the dealership's probably paying 100 for yeah i was uh, when i bought my truck they bring in this really hot russian girl that's selling me all this uh, and you can't see yeah i was gonna say you notice he didn't say pitched it he said sold it was sold yeah, yeah, you're like oh, no, no, okay. no. I did say no, okay. and I said it. I said no, and yes. No and yes. <laughs> He's just sitting there. Yeah, yeah. I've so, been to uh, before. No, and funny. Yes. Yeah, yeah. It's funny because uh, so the 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 dealerships they make a, a portion of a profit. That independent agent that introduces the dealership to our product, he makes a profit as well. Um, and then I also make a commission off of all of my agents across uh, the United States. Okay, so here's so, so here's my question, Jonathan. Yeah. All right, the question go. is, what did you really want to be when you grew up? I wanted to be a cartoonist. <laughs> <laughs> I 
<laughs> wait, wait. He started laughing when he made that answer. So I want awesome. <laughs> Is this for real? Is this for real? Like realistically, you know, it's it, majority of those cartoonists are like twelve year old kids in some sweatshop in Asia. Oh my god, that is funny. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Because you know damn well nobody's growing up like, man, I can't wait to be the vice president. So, right. I, I didn't even know that the industry existed until I had a job there already. <laughs> What did, do you have, did you go to did you go to school? Did you go to university? Yeah, I I, uh, uh, I did. I didn't finish, but I went. Okay. I, I can't promise I paid what, attention what, what when I went, going? but I went. Oh, okay. What were you? What, what, did you have? What was your major? At, at that point, I wanted to become an anthropologist, so I was really yeah studying uh, history and anthropology. <laughs> and you know, if I could if I could have mixed that in with my cartoonist idea. Well, I mean, uh, to be to be quite to be quite honest, to be quite honest with you, I can only imagine that maybe in some ways an anthropology degree might actually be helping in like this whole business of selling warranty. You come across a whole lot of different types. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, 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 no, but yeah, I, you know, like <laughs> he's like, no, they're all the same. It's all, it's all, it's all the same. No, it's not guy ninety nine percent of the time. <laughs> That's awesome, dude. <laughs> well, you know, I'm in the same boat. You know, I went to I went to school. I didn't finish, but I was going to school for music, and I still play music. So I guess you know. But I've never, other than the Marine Corps, which God bless it, was like a way for me to actually be able to do what I like to do and get paid for it, which as an artist in any form is a challenge so right yeah man no that's very yeah, cool and, that is and it's awesome. funny because when when i got older and i you know got into high school got into college i actually started doing music as well and um and had a a little independent career i guess you can say mm -hmm. um where i was signed to an independent label and really um, we did a couple yeah we did a couple albums and stuff but there wasn't a lot of money into it in that. And I had a, a daughter four days after I turned uh, 19 years old. Yep. And I said, no, uh, I can try to do this, but yeah. realistically I need to take care of my kid. Yep. So I tried to like moonlight at night being the musician at night and, you know, working a nine to five um, at the same time. And it was next to impossible. So it, nah. it got to a point where I felt like I hit the glass ceiling and uh, it was either I need to do music full time, yeah, that isn't guaranteed, yeah, and there's no benefits and all that crap, or I can give up on that career and focus on on being a good father and providing for my kid. No, I hear, and that, uh, so I, I hear. I, I mean, I was, I was in a, I was in a very similar situation in the sense that I mean. Like I say, I mean, I was going to school, studying music, whatever. And next thing you know, I'm like, my son was born. I was 21 years old. And it was like, holy yeah. mackerel, dude, like, it's time to get to work. And I mean, that was the big thing for me, yeah. to be honest, was like, I mean, I still had a year of school left, or at least I think I had three semesters left. And I was just like, dude, I can't, you know, I can't rightfully in my own mind and my conscience, like what I'm just going to be going to school or whatever and trying to raise a kid at the same time, like right now. It's, you know, and I was, I was doing the same thing you're talking about. Like I was trying to play with the band in the evening and, you know, working a straight job during the day. It was, it's tough, man. Tough. And, and like I say, 
I mean, that was, I was very fortunate with the whole sort of military music thing, like with Jeremy, you know, because, you know, it afforded an opportunity to be able to do this stuff. I mean, I never had a record contract or anything like that. What do you, what do you play? Um, well, so I started off in high school. What it was is that I was really into, you know, as all kids, when they're in ninth and 10th grade, start listening to the radio. And based off of the radio, I started listening to these mix shows on, um, on a radio station in San Diego. I was born and raised in San Diego. And um, so I started listening to these mix shows on a a radio station out there where every Friday and Saturday night, they had these live DJs that mixed pop music and hip hop music. And, and, um, and every once in a while they'd mix house music in. And, you know, this is the mid nineties that this is happening. So it's, you know, really all three of those genres are kind of at their, their peak of, quality performances right so um so i i actually started uh djing i dj'd for some parties around the the high school kids i even dj'd for like the local uh teen centers and stuff like that so i was 15 16 and 17 years old getting little paychecks here and there doing the dj stuff and then um as hip-hop music started getting bigger and bigger um these these guys used microphone and and uh rap back and forth like they're doing battle raps with each other so i would put on instrumentals okay and i would let these guys rap battle against each other at, at these parties and then that got into me starting a home studio me producing um and then me helping write music then that got me into making my own music that got me into actually doing my own rap battles um and actually competing and, and that got the attention of um, a couple a couple different uh, local I say local but Southern California some of them were in, in Los Angeles some of them were in San Diego but got attention of a couple of uh, little independent uh, record label so I ended up going with what I thought was the best bet at that time and, and signed a, a contract with one record label and I was featured on other people's albums, but never cut an album there. And then that contract, we ended up kind of dropping after about a year and a half. And I went with another record label and cut an album there. And it was only a one album deal. So I did that one album deal. And then I signed to um, another, a third record label, um, created a, a whole album. We actually had features from what some people would consider to be you know, big name artists and, and some actual legitimate big name artists. Like we had a, a song with Little Wayne, for instance. Um, wow. Which, you know, I think everybody kind of knows that name, even if you don't know his music. Sure. But, um, right. Yeah. Did that. And then the album, the album never came out. And uh, um, it, it kind of, it's still unreleased to this day. So, uh, really? at that point, like, you know, oh man so yeah so at that point it was like uh time for me to uh so so what was your rap name that i won't say i don't want anybody googling it <laughs> oh, okay All not right. my proudest times you know I, that's like for like, I, mark Wahlberg doesn't want anybody to to call him Marky Mark, anymore. Marky Mark. Uh, yeah. We're gonna, yeah, nobody wants yeah, to know that it was Marky. Like, like, like you, you're a cool dude today, but you used to be Marky Mark, dude. <laughs> right, right. And I don't want anybody to pull up my old Marky Mark photos, dude. But that's pretty cool, man. I mean, to be honest with you, it's like, 
you know, that's what, what you experienced as an artist, you know, what you experienced as an artist is something that, I mean, and you know, this as well as anybody, like that's an experience that, that really very few performing artists, musicians and the like ever actually have. You know, everybody yeah. talks about, you know, get, getting a record and a contract and all that, you know, whatever. I mean, but for most folks out there, man, that that, that never happens, you know, and the well, fact that you were able to, you know, be a part of that is pretty cool. And the crazy thing is we did it all with, uh, without a manager, kind of just self-managing. Right, and, yeah. And, uh, you know, as Jeremy had said, that I'm, I'm marrying his, uh, his niece here in a few months. She was actually with me when I received my first publishing check. I guess uh, uh, ASCAP had a publishing, a royalty check that was being held for me that uh, they had attempted to send to an old address because I hadn't even updated my ASCAP because I figured I was never going to make a dime off of music. Okay, and, for, uh, for just for real quick, uh, Jeremy, can you just explain to the folks who are listening to the show just what ASCAP is? Because I don't think a lot of folks even know what that is. Uh, and there's there's ASCAP and there's BMI, yeah. um, but it's an organization for songwriters and composers uh, and yeah. that and producers um, that basically <laughs> some people will say they hunt for your money. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> some people like whether whether it's a concert or at even at yep. a bar. Like if your stuff is played at a at a bar, uh, you know they 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 look for money for people using your your art your yeah. content, um, and and a lot of times even on YouTube or or uh, putting stuff on social media doesn't matter the platform and you're using other people's stuff uh, they'll take it down. People like the 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 platforms will take it down because. You haven't paid the, the ASCAP fees. And, and some people try to get away with, like, I don't own the rights to this. Like, eh, it doesn't yeah, really matter. Yeah, if you say you don't own the rights to it, then you can still get a copyright uh, infringement. And any money that you would have made on that video or, or anything, it gets uh, refunneled to the appropriate person. Um, and so, the, and, and also, there were things that I didn't know that, from my understanding, a lot of artists don't know is that even if you perform, and a venue, a venue has booked you and you perform and you get your booking fee and the venue pays you and all that stuff. Even if you perform that song at that venue, that venue is technically also supposed to pay royalties for that song still. So you can get paid for live performances. Uh, you can get paid for digital plays, digital downloads. And um, like you said, if, if a jukebox has your music, if a radio station plays your music, any of those things. Uh, yeah, you, you have a, the opportunity to paid on, and I don't think that a lot of people really understand that when they're trying to to do their own music thing. Yeah, and and you'll see if you walk in, if you, like the next time you go to a bar or restaurant, and they have music playing, they should have a sticker or a signage that says like ASCAP or BMI, because the bars they do have the option of buying like a, a coverall type they pay, of, pay a uh, fee fee yeah it's like a blanket right. fee right yeah and it's the, even the same thing the the sports bars that play games and direct t- there's a there's a separate like if they have direct tv a separate like 
a contract. It's it's a contract versus like what we have at home. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like a a corporate contract, they have to pay essentially. And so, like some of those places, the jukeboxes, you purchase that jukebox and you can fill it up yourself, but then you're going to have to pay separate fees, or you can pay that blanket fee and it comes pre-filled with the songs. So, it's a it's a whole there's a whole lot of ways to make money in music that a lot of people didn't understand, but. Yeah, it was funny because Amy, uh, Jeremy's niece, uh, was there when I got my first uh, my first royalty check. That's pretty cool, man. I hadn't done music in like four years, so it was nice. To have <laughs> open You're like, what is there's... what is this? Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. I, and, and so the other thing that that Jonathan hasn't uh, mentioned yet is that um, he has. He's a content creator. He has a YouTube yes. channel, and he he has become renowned in northern Texas, north north Texas, uh, for his haunted really? house. Really? Yeah, I I, I uh, have a haunted house that I put on in my house or in in my two car garage, and we've been featured on two or three different news stations where they've done stories for us. We've been featured on the nationally syndicated uh, radio stations. We do it all free. Um, just, to, you know, I, I feel like there's a lot of division going on in the country right now. Yeah. And it's, it's a way that people of all walks of life, all different ages and classes and races and fill whatever blank in between can come together and, and and be horrified. Really gets you into the spirit, you know. Yeah, yeah. No, I will. T- I, and that's totally awesome that you do that because I, I mean, I will say that you know, for for me growing up, one of our big, you know, one of the big holidays was Halloween. Yeah. You know, and as we, my wife and I, you know, having kids and a home, and we've always, I've always really had a great time with trying to do as much stuff as possible to really bring, you know, I feel like the Halloween thing for, you know, people become very sensitive to the whole thing with kids and it's about trick or treating and whatever. And we lose sight of, to a certain extent, we, we have a tendency to lose sight of the fact that there is a side of Halloween that is about getting scared. Right. There's, you know, I mean, that's what it is. It's not just about costumes and candy. It's honestly about something that makes you go, oh, you know. What? Yeah, and he used his oh, clown. We, we do a whole clown theme, and a whole circus theme. And uh, it's it's last year alone on Halloween night. It was one night. We had over 700 trick-or-treaters. What? Holy mackerel, dude. We, that's crazy. We knew how many we yeah, had. Yeah, dude. Yeah, we knew how that's many we nuts. had because we were... Uh, we had two different options. If you were brave, you were able to go through the haunted house and we gave a ticket. And if you were a wimp, you could go get your candy on the other side of the house and you didn't, you, you weren't around the haunted house. Right. The 700 was just the people who went through the haunted house. That's not including the people who chose not to. And we right. had people waiting up to 45 minutes just to get inside. Uh, Dude, that's crazy. And, you know, those and I like how he put it. If you're I know, a I wimp. do like that. I do like <laughs> that. If you're, a, if you're a wuss. And, and, and it's funny because, you know, I, I, you think of it, 45 minutes to get into a place that you're in there for maybe two or three minutes. That's like... No, yeah. Right? You wait 45 minutes to write a three-minute ride about Peter Pan. 
and I'm accomplishing yeah. that at my home. It was pretty neat. That was a, last year was the, the first year that we did the walkthrough haunted house and, and it blew up. So um, my fiance. Cool. And you have to think about it, Jimbo. We're, we're talking about a two car oh, yeah. garage. No, I know. Right? And, and I'll post a video from his, from, uh, from the way back machine. Um, but when you go through it, like he has it set up. Can you talk about how you have it set up without giving away? Yeah, so, so right, yeah. there's there's eight different rooms slash hallways that you can go into. You know, there's one entrance and one exit. And when you go when you go in, there's eight different themed. This year, it's, it's actually different. There's eight different themed sections that all lead into one another. So one section may make you feel like you're outside. One section may make you feel like you're inside of a sewer. One section may make you feel like you are walking down an alleyway. So, wow. uh, and we have different people, whether it be animatronics, which are like six foot to 10 foot robots, um, or actors that are jumping from every direction you can imagine to scare you and this year we're, we're also messing with your senses so we have stuff that knock off your equilibrium we have stuff that make you feel extremely claustrophobic things you have to squeeze between and um it's oh yeah it's, man. it's crazy we 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 started uh, getting pieces from commercial haunted houses we felt that we we had to uh really step it up so we up we reached hands. out to some haunted houses that were local and they either told us where to get stuff or they told us that uh uh you know hey, we have this and we'd like to donate it to you or, or sell it to you at a huge discount so you know one of our one of the props alone has a price tag of about 1500 if if a commercial place was to to go and purchase this so we've invested a lot of money a lot of time and a lot of it we've created with with just myself, my fiance, and a couple of our friends. And um, it's great because, you know, the kids actually get a, a memory of, of they're going to, we have absolutely, we have five kids between the two of us and they get the memory of knowing like, Hey, this is awesome that my mom and stepdad or, or my stepmom and dad had, had created this event for our neighborhood and it's a way of us giving back to everybody. Yeah. They're going to, they're going to, I mean, they're going to talk I, about that for the rest of their lives and more. And I will tell you, we've talked about it before in the show, Jonathan, several times. And it's one of those things like, you know, we're losing the sense right. of community. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, what you're doing is bringing a little of that back for, you know, how far away would you say people have come last year to go? Cause I know it's just not where you guys live. There had to have been, uh, you know, throughout the Metroplex. Yeah. There, there, we had people that said we drove an hour and a half to get here and it's just my neighborhood. It's not like a, a big warehouse where it's our business. This is something that we were doing no profit at all. We were actually going you know, the, the opposite way, just spending hard earned money to, to make sure that everybody had a good time. And the crazy thing is the first year that we started doing it, nobody on my street had decorated for Halloween. They'd have their light on. Some guy would show up, you know, wearing his slippers and, and hand your kid a Milky way and would keep it pushing. But we, we've put so much into it that now if you walk down our street, there's, you know, maybe, I don't know, 25 houses on, on my one street alone. And possibly half of those houses are now decorated. 
and, and yeah, that's cool. to, yeah, to me, that's amazing to just say, look, like these people knew, Hey, we're going to run out of candy. We're going to have hundreds of kids show up at a door and, you know, and now they want to get into the spirit as well. So it's not just the people sure. who are coming to visit. It's the people who live in our neighborhood too. And yeah. now that is, so cool. you know, and, and I think that especially with the COVID bullshit going on and people are so afraid of having interaction with people and, you know, Halloween, everybody's wearing a mask anyway. All of our actors yeah. are staying, you know, and all of our True actors story. are staying within a certain <laughs> distance from you anyway as well. So, we don't have to worry about any of that stuff, but you're still getting out there. You're seeing other people. You're having a good time. People are talking. People are laughing about stuff with, with complete strangers, and it it just makes everything seem normal. normal. Yeah. Yeah. Seem normal, <laughs> dude. That's totally awesome. That is very cool. Well, listen, man, what uh, we do on Thursdays for the show is that Thursday is always about what is the last thing that you watched on YouTube? So some of these can be kind of interesting. I will admit some of them can be a bit mundane. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, what's the last thing you watched on, uh, watched on YouTube, JB? Uh, Okay. So, so mine, mine is something that my son sent to me. Uh, It's, it's a channel uh, called Hacksmiths. And it was they created an honest to god real life. I saw it. It's been they, done. They use plasma. I... Plas, yeah, but I it can, it. it's retractable. <laughs> it's retractable, that. and it's in a field. Now, granted, you have to wear like this big pack, you know, to power the thing. But dude, I'm t- <laughs> uh, and it works for real. Like it's a honest to god fucking, fucking lightsaber, dude. Like lightsaber. For real, dude, and uh, and I went down there the rabbit hole. They they've done the um the Iron Man, yeah. the photon thing. They've done that. Like it's just these guys, man. It's like they're they're inventing all this stuff, and they some sometimes it's do uh you know they get kits, and then they have to like adjust fire and all that stuff. Man, the Silver Surfer uh board that you can take on a lake, they put like a little jet pack. Um, like from like a jet ski, but way right. smaller, and and tried to recreate the silver surface. That's Dude, kinda, it's, that's pretty. It's cool. awesome. I will definitely post it so people that can see cool. the real lightsaber because because they've they've tried multiple times to do it right, and they they had the glass one, but this has no glass. You can actually cut things. Wow. With it. Yes. That thing is legit. Yes. Holy mackerel, dude. It is legit. Crazy. Now, and all you have to do is hump around a freaking ridiculous <laughs> pack. <laughs> it's it's not it's not like uh, Ghostbusters pack. It's it's fairly small, but yeah. well, I mean, you know, computers, supercomputers used to take up an entire freaking warehouse, right. and I mean, now they're in the palm of your hand. Yeah, so you never, you just never give it time. That, that, give this it time. could be a real stepping stone into everybody actually having them. Right. Well, I'm, I'm still waiting on the hoverboard. <laughs> yeah, man. no kidding. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Bring it back to the future. So, Jonathan, what do you what do you got for the last last thing you watch on YouTube? Um, well, right before I called into you guys, I actually did a live on my channel. So, I guess that was kind of the last thing I did with YouTube. Um, okay. What is the uh, where Where can people find you on? If YouTube? they search the uh, if they search "psychotic circus of Savannah." Um, okay. They, they will they will find my channel 
It sounds like a uh, uh, like a X Games van <laughs> sponsored by X right. Games van like yeah. a tour. Psychotic Circus is the yep. tour. Yeah. It's on the X X Games but, X Games with Tony yeah. Hawk. But uh, the, the last thing that I actually watched, there's a channel um, called Jabuti Dubs. I don't know if you guys have heard of this channel. No. It's the first word is Jabuti, like J A B O O D Y, and then okay, so not like the country, <laughs> just phonetically, right? Just and the, yeah. the second word is dubs. And what they do is they take infomercials from TV and they redub them. And it's oh, that's freaking awesome. hilarious. You, I, I've had tears in my eyes. They have a second channel where they do it with full movies. Um, if oh, you guys God. remember that that genie movie with uh, Shaq, uh, what oh, was yeah. it called? Yeah. Oh my gosh, um, Kazam. Kazam. If you watch Kazam, that Kazam, yeah. and you watch their version of it, I promise you, you will be in tears, laughing your ass off. <laughs> Dude, you gotta, you gotta send, send Jeremy a link. Well, well, he can, he can post it. Oh yeah, it you on can our, do that if, if you get our, on our page on Facebook. You gotta, you gotta share that, dude, because that's got. I will. Be it's so funny. It is so funny. Um. So 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 my offering for uh, YouTube Thursday. And I don't even know how I came across this. This was from Monday. Somebody had shared this, and I hadn't seen it in so long. I I had to watch, and it was the 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 deliverance purdy mouth scene. <laughs> Dude, wow. I have not seen deliverance in like twenty something years, at, at least twenty something years. And everybody always talks about, oh, you got a pretty mouth, boy, you know, whatever. And I don't know who shared this thing. And I was like, you know, I haven't seen that in a long time. It's like, what is Burt Reynolds in that yeah, movie? Yeah, he is. Yeah, Burt Reynolds. Dude, oh, my uh, God, this scene. <laughs> this scene is just, it is as horrible as you remember it being. It is just. Oh, yeah, because they've been. That oh, well, over. they don't go there in the yeah, scene. I was going like, to say, this, is that they, they don't make you squeal no, like squeal a pig, like a pig. yeah. Yeah, that's the squeal yeah. like a pig scene. This is the whole freaking. This is just. This is the scene where the dude. I can't remember the actor's name, but he's like, he's like on his knees on the ground, and these dudes, these hillbillies, are looking at him, and they're doing the whole. You got a pretty mouth, and and he's looking across, and he can see Burt Reynolds with his compound bow, getting ready yeah. to freaking do one of the like like deep six one of these guys, you know. But oh my god, dude! I'm watching this. I was like, oh my god, it's just awful. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's out of such a, a scary scene. <laughs> yeah, right over there. That's there scarier than my. That's oh scarier my than god. my haunted house. This is my nightmare. Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Hey, well, Jonathan, totally awesome that you jumped on with a freaking text message of Destiny, man. Very, very cool. It's been great talking to you. Great. Yeah, thank you. you guys so much. I really appreciate it. I had a great time. No, super cool, man. And for the folks out there who are checking out the show, thanks for tuning in. Uh, hope you had a good time checking us out. Monday, New Music Monday. Uh, we'll see what we can dig up. I've got a couple ideas. Maybe we'll look for the for the DJ the Mark, Jonathan Taylor. The yes. Mark. Yeah, the Marky yeah, you, Mark. The Marky we'll Mark. You can find one of my the songs Marky Mark Good Vibrations. Okay. 
by marking, by there marking, we go. marking the we funky. Needed. I was one of the funky bunch. No, okay. <laughs> okay. So for the folks out there, thanks for tuning hey, in. Hey, man, I still have a MySpace page. I'll okay. look for it. <laughs> All right. Thanks, first, for tuning in. Tell your family, tell your friends, and we'll see you on Monday. Thank you.